open God's Word now as we learn about the God of the Word by going to the book of Matthew, chapter 5 and verse 6. This will be the 19th message in our series of messages on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're dealing with the fourth of the Beatitudes from the lips of our Lord, which are given as this, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And today we want to speak to you on that spiritual filling, that spiritual satisfaction that comes from hungering after the gospel which Jesus so freely spoke about. The previous two weeks we have dealt with the aspect of this beatitude being that which is found in the phrase hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And we have tried to establish that hunger and thirst are words which are used to describe the conscious spiritual appetite or desire of a born-again soul after all the blessings that are found in Christ Jesus. This soul which has been blessed by God's marvelous act of regenerating grace through the new birth, that begins in the subconscious so as to cause us that experience this act to become consciously aware that now we are hungering and thirsting after something which we formerly did not desire and even rejected. So what begins in the subconscious of our soul, now we become consciously aware of it. There's something there that I'm after that formerly I had no appetite for. And that which I'm after now is for the full salvation and all the blessings that God has for those that he has provided for in Christ Jesus our Lord. This text merely elaborates or sets forth that which the Apostle Peter exhorted his hearers in the little book of 1 Peter. You don't have to turn there for the moment. Let me quote the verse for you. Where Peter says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, notice, as a newborn child has a taste for milk, so Peter says, you that have tasted the spiritual things of God, hunger after more of it, that you may grow thereby. So, God's grace is that which gives us the conscious awareness of a desire to be like Jesus Christ in all that he has for us. Now today we'll take the reward of hunger and thirst, which our Jesus promises in this term. Those who are hungering and thirsting after salvation in Christ 
shall be filled. No ifs, ands, buts, conditions involved. The soul that is hungering after Christ, the promise is from God, they shall not fail to find satisfaction in what they're hungering for. They shall be filled. First, we'll look at the definition of the word filled. They shall be filled. Filling here means the satisfaction which comes when the desires of the heart are obtained. When a person is filled with physical food, they are satisfied in their appetite in that which craved after the food. They're filled. They're satisfied. Now, go with me back to the 109th Psalm, 7th Psalm in verse 9, and we'll see the word of God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself defining what the word filled means when our Lord says they shall be filled. Psalm chapter 107, verse 9. Listen to this text. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Now notice the parallelism there. God has said that he will satisfy the longing soul. And then he comes right back and says the same thing. He will fill the hungry soul with goodness. Notice how the word filled and satisfaction are used interchangeably there. So what our Lord is saying, he's pronouncing a true blessing upon the people who are hungering and thirsting after Jesus Christ because they are the very people which are being satisfied in what they're hungering after. The true soul that has tasted of the grace of God in Christ Jesus will always stand and say, I'm satisfied with what I've tasted. Now, there are many which make professions of faith to have tasted and then go back upon the Lord and leave the profession and are a disgrace to the cause of Christ and the church of Jesus Christ. But don't you take their testimony that they've ever tasted of the grace of God. Any soul who has ever tasted of Jesus Christ in the salvation will never say, I didn't like what I tasted. Now, others have tried to taste of him, only they've wanted things other than righteousness, other than goodness, other than his salvation, and there was a bitter taste left in their mouths, and eventually they left and went back from the teachings of Christ. But those who have been born again say, he's good, he's my Lord, and I'll follow after him. All the days of my life. We can illustrate this hunger and thirst, which is present tense, with the present daily satisfaction found in that of a runner running a race. 
Here is a man that as he presses toward that after which his hunger is pursuing the goal line or the line down there at the finish, he is presently experiencing some pains in his body as his body presses on to have that which is always there ahead of him. But while he is running, he is finding the very contentment that he has been in training for. And some of you may have run in high school. Some of you may have played sports and athletic events in school or whatever it was. And you know that as you're running, you're becoming exhausted. But instead of becoming weary with that, it's giving you the very satisfaction in what you're running for. Those of you that enjoy your jobs or you enjoy various forms of recreation, those very things may bring about a weariness, but yet you enjoy them and you're glad to be weary for the satisfaction that those things bring. And that's what the gospel does for sinners who are hungering and seeking after that gospel. Spiritual satisfaction is the partaking of the food of righteousness upon which the spiritual appetite feeds. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Whatever your appetite is, and whatever your appetite is for, that will be what you'll be feeding upon. And the born-again soul recognizes that there's more to feed upon than the husk of this world. There's a fatted calf in the Father's house. And he says, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I'm going to press on to higher ground. I'm going to go back to my Father, and I'm going to confess I've sinned, and I lost my appetite for your fellowship, but now I desire fellowship with you in the Father's house. Yes, spiritual satisfaction is the partaking or the feeding upon the very food of righteousness which the appetite hungers after. Now, what will God do to that person who is hungering and thirsting? Will he deny him? Will our God turn away a person who comes to the door and asks for salvation because that's what they're hungering after? We have this great principle in the Word of God. God has promised by the trustworthiness of His own Word and character to satisfy all those who are seeking righteousness by giving them the very thing which they're seeking after. God has promised that every person that seeks after righteousness, they shall be satisfied. And he says, I'll do the job in satisfying them. I will give them the very thing after which they're hungering for. Come, all things now are ready. The fatted calf has been killed. Come as you are. Bring only your appetite. That's all I ask. Bring an appetite. Open your mouth wide. And I will fill it. 
And the only reason that any soul which has been created by the grace of God or by the natural means of physical creation will not be fed is because they will not open their mouth wide and hunger after the things of God. You, ladies and gentlemen, this morning have no more knowledge of God than what you're hungering after. And our problem is in our appetite because we're a torn people between the temporal things of this world and the things of God. And God has promised you show me a mouth that's wide open and I'll show you a person that's going to be filled. How many of you have seen the little birds in the nest as they come out of the egg? How they come out of there? Not the prettiest little things. All head and all mouth. But their mouth is wide. And that mother bird takes that worm after which they're hungering and fills them and they grow. You say, I'm having trouble growing in the Lord, Pastor, as a Christian. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Oh, but Pastor, I think that in order to grow in the Lord, I need to go out and discipline myself. I need to get into a lot of activities. I need to do this and then I'll grow in the Lord. No, it's open your mouth. Open your mouth. A weak man doesn't go out and run to get stronger. He needs food in order to make him go out and run. You see that? Open your mouth and I'll fill it. That's God's promise. Now, this is set forth in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15. The promise of God who cannot lie. The text in Titus tells us whenever God makes a promise, he cannot lie. That's against his very character where he says, my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 31, verse 15. Say it again, Pastor. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Now, see, that's God's promise. It must happen. It cannot fail that any person who is hungering after God's goodness, God says they shall be satisfied. I'll give it to them. And then Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. The text of Scripture, which we want to read to you now, in which that the song was based on that we had our song leader sing for you this morning. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the watercourses. God says, I will do this. I will pour water upon those who are thirsting, and I'll pour out floods upon the dry grounds. And then he explains what he means. 
I'll pour out my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon your offspring. And they shall spring up as willows by the riverbanks. They'll be fed like a tree that's planted by the water. They shall not be moved. Now, notice whenever God makes a promise, he cannot go back upon that promise. And that's why I'm authorized by the throne of God as an ambassador of God this morning to promise any soul here today that's hungering and thirsting after righteousness, God will fill you and you will not be disappointed. Seek him. Seek righteousness. And you shall have that after which you're seeking, for he is the fountain of living waters. These promises which we find in the, in the Bible are known as the free offer of the gospel. The free, unconditional offer of the gospel. That God says, I will do this. I promise I will do it. I will not go back on my word. And I ask you not to come and bring all of your sacrifices and your human merits in order for me to pour out this water. All I ask is a hunger for me. And whoever I see that's hungering, I promise I will satisfy you. And fill you with that very thing which you're hungering after. The free offer of the gospel. We offer the gospel to whosoever will come to Jesus Christ. We offer the gospel to whoever is thirsty. We offer the gospel to whoever is hungry. And I can do that because I'm authorized by God that whenever you find one of these people, preacher, I'm going to satisfy them. I'm going to fill them. Oh, what a message to be able to take out into a dry, barren world who's not interested for the most part in God, but to go out there and to find those individuals that are crying out for righteousness and holiness and to have a message that will satisfy them. But now then, let me say something in regard to this. Listen carefully. While the gospel promises to freely satisfy the seeker, it is restricted in two distinct areas. Now, follow me on this, because this is very important in our sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. While the gospel promises to freely satisfy those who are seeking, it is restricted in two distinct areas. This is what the old Puritans called hedging up the table. That is, you get certain people around the table and those that are not hungry, you leave them out here. Only the hungry sit down at the gospel feast. And not all are hungry. And while the gospel promises to satisfy every hungry soul, it is restricted 
to whom it is offered in two distinct areas. Number one, it is restricted to those who are hungering and thirsting. If you will go through the word of God and study it carefully, you will not find one offer from God to give spiritual satisfaction to any soul who is not first hungering and thirsting after that satisfaction. Jesus Christ warned his disciples, don't you take the precious pearl of the gospel and go out and indiscriminately cast it before dogs and swine. And Jesus, the same one which blessed the little children, called some people dogs and swine. And he says, if they're not hungering after righteousness in the gospel, don't you offer them anything in the gospel. Because the gospel is only for those who are hungering and thirsting. I will pour water upon him who is what? Thirsty. God has never promised, and I challenge you to look in the Word, God has never promised he would pour water upon every person, whether they're hungering or thirsting or not. The only spiritual satisfaction that can be found in those that will be finding it are those who are hungering and thirsting after the righteousness and the goodness of God. Let's give an example of this. These precious three offers of the gospel. Go to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Listen here as to how God extends his free offer of mercy, but to whom he's extending it to. Notice, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Now notice what he offers. Everyone that, what is it? Thirsteth, come to the waters. Come freely. No conditions. Nothing in your hand you bring. Simply to the cross you cling. But I offer that only to those who are thirsty. And if you're sitting here today and you have no hunger for the gospel of Jesus Christ, my friend, I have no message for you. Go somewhere else and get it. I have no message for those who are not hungry. The only message that I have for you is this. The wrath of God abideth upon sinners. I'm not going to tell you to smile that God loves you. My friend, the Bible says God's angry every day with the wicked. And you're one of them. If you're not hungering after Jesus Christ, don't you expect to go through this day with a smiling God watching over you, my friend? There's an angry God watching over you. And you're like Jonathan Edwards said, you're but a spider on a web. And all he has to do is let go and you're in eternity. That's where you're at. But all, if you're here today and you've been aroused now by this justice of God upon sin, and now you've been broken, 
By God's justice, and you see yourself as a lost sinner, I have good news for you. There is a loving Father waiting for sinners who are hungering and thirsting after forgiveness. There is a Savior who will save. And that's who I preach to. That's the only ones I'm authorized to preach to. You come with an appetite and we'll have a gospel for you. But if you have no appetite for the gospel, all we can tell you is about the justice of God, the depravity of your sin, and God's holiness. That's all we can tell you about. And that's all you'll hear in the final judgment. You will not ever hear from the lips of God, smile, I love you, at the final judgment. All you'll ever hear is, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never did know you. So while the gospel is free and unconditional, and it promises to satisfy, it is offered to those who are seeking or hungering and thirsting. Then there's another area in which the gospel is distinct, restricted, and that is it is limited to those who are seeking after righteousness. It is not offered to those who are seeking out after happiness and blessing. Jesus does not say, happy is the man who is seeking happiness. All men are seeking happiness. But he pronounces a blessing upon the person who is seeking after righteousness, for he shall find happiness in so doing. So I do not stand to you today and offer you a Jesus in which that modern evangelism offers. Are you sad? Come to Jesus and he'll make you happy. You have marital problems? Come to Jesus. He'll take care of them. Whatever you're wanting, Jesus is the big psychologist up there in the clouds. And you come to him and he'll take care of all of your desires. No, I only have one thing to offer. And that's a holy gospel. If you want to be holy, you want to be like God, you want to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, and it burdens you because of your sin and rebellion against this, you come to Jesus Christ, and we have a gospel that is guaranteed to satisfy all your money back. But if you come for any other reason other than seeking out after righteousness, you'll go away empty. And dear friends, I'm convinced that there are thousands and thousands of church members across our land today that when the gospel's preached, they're just as empty when they leave the church as they came in. And you know why? There's no hunger after what Christ offers in the gospel. Famous minister in our denomination estimates that in his church in Texas, several thousands of people that around 75 to 80 percent of the people that sit in his pews every week are unregenerate and don't know the Lord. In any given Sunday, we're supposed to have some 13 to 14 million Baptists within our groups that are on our church rolls. And the most we can ever find on a given Sunday is about 3,500,000. Most church rolls, we can't find half the people that are on them today. And the others that are coming, when the precious gospel of Jesus Christ is preached in holiness, 
And a desire is presented for that. Most people leave the church every Sunday. Well, I didn't get anything out of that. My friend, if you're not searching after holiness, you'll not get anything out of our preaching at all. It'll leave you as barren as when you come in. But if you're hungry, there ought to be something on the table. And if you have no appetite for it, then instead of blaming the one who's delivering the message and not liking the message, go home and search your heart and find out it could be your appetite. Could be your appetite. Now let's look how Jesus preached the gospel. To Nicodemus, here's a man came seeking for something. And the first thing that Jesus told him, wait a minute, Nicodemus, wait a minute, you've come seeking, you've called me a good man and so forth, but wait a minute, Nicodemus, you must be born again before we go any further. Nicodemus, you've got to see your sin is so dark that except a sovereign act of grace give you an appetite for true holiness, you never will seek out after me. You say, well, Pastor, I thought that we were supposed to tell people when we first started talking with them, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what modern evangelism has taught us to teach. But do you know who John 3.16 was spoken unto? How many know today? It was spoken to Nicodemus. But that wasn't the first thing that Jesus told Nicodemus. Before Jesus ever told Nicodemus about a brazen serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness and all those who had been smitten by the snake bite of sin could look under that and be healed, he first of all confronted Nicodemus with his total inability of his depraved nature to please God. And then he confronted Nicodemus that if God does not come and create in him that very ability to see the kingdom, he never will desire to enter it. And then after those were told, he said, oh, Nicodemus, look to that brazen serpent. You see the difference? Nicodemus was hungering and thirsting, but first Jesus had to get him prepared. He had to show him what he was hungering after. Look how Jesus dealt with the woman at the well. He did not go there and put his arm around her and said, now smile, God loves you. He went there and one of the first things he started saying was, here, draw some water out for me. She said, oh, I can't do that. I'm a Samaritan. He says, that's all right. That's all right. Draw me some water. And I'll tell you something about a person who has waters that satisfy. But he didn't tell her God loved her then. He says, you know, I think I know something about you. I think I know that you've been married five different times and the one you're living with now is not even your own husband. She went away into the city and said, oh, you ought to come and hear this man. He's telling me things that, about me that I don't even know. And then, my friend, after that woman was brought face to face with her sin, there was an offer taste of those waters. You see that? See the order? Look how Jesus evangelized the rich young ruler. Here was a man who came seeking. He wanted to know how to go to heaven. He came seeking blessings. And yet Jesus did not 
do what modern evangelism does. The first thing that Jesus said, all right, you, you want to be blessed? Here's the commandments. Oh, but I kept all them. No problem there. Now you're ready to bless me. No, Jesus says you've come seeking the wrong thing. If you've really come seeking righteousness, then you go and sell all you've got and give to the poor. Boy, one of those commandments nailed that rich young ruler to the wall. And he went away sorrowful when he saw he loved his riches and his own righteousness more than he loved the righteousness which Christ was offering. Now listen to me. Not one time did Jesus ever tell that person that there was a brazen serpent up there to look to. Not one time. Not one time did Jesus Christ ever tell him what he told Nicodemus. Why didn't he? Because here was a man who was not hungering and seeking after righteousness, which is in Christ Jesus, and Jesus was not going to offer him that. May God give us discernment. And if we do not have the discernment to know how to spread the gospel, then may God shut our mouths lest we lead people astray. If we do not know how to prepare the souls of people and dependence upon the Holy Ghost by delivering them unto the justice of God's wrath, and then let God convict them so that they begin to seek, then let's don't run out. And do what modern evangelism is doing today. This is the way that Jesus evangelized. This is the way the apostles evangelized. Now, how can we be assured that God will satisfy us? From the very fact that the appetite which we have has been created by God as well as the food which he gives. Dead men don't eat, people. Is that right, Brother Powell? You go over here to the cemetery this afternoon and take a great big steak and try to see how many of those people are hungering for that. Hmm? Dead men don't eat. And whenever I see anybody seeking after Jesus Christ, I know that's a living person. I know that God's Spirit has been doing its work. The new birth has begun. The very appetite which a person has for Christ has been created by God as well as the satisfaction which comes. Dead men don't hunger and thirst. You must be born again in order to enter the kingdom. The birth of life precedes the entrance, not after. I know we've got it all backwards today. We say God's sitting back here and once a person repents and believes, then God will born them again or give them life. That's what everybody teaches today. But dead men, spiritually in their sin, do not hunger and thirst after righteousness. Only living men do. And whenever you see someone hungry and thirsting, Christ can stand before those multitudes and say, All right, come on. Whosoever is hungry and thirsting, come on. For you shall find rest for your souls. Now, let us give a principle as we bring this to a conclusion this morning. Here's a principle you ought to have down in order to understand the Scriptures. Whenever God is going to bless a person, he first creates the very desire in the person for that blessing. If we miss that principle, we'll never understand the Scriptures. Whenever God is going to bless Jim Gables with grace, 
he first comes and creates in Jim Gables the very hunger and desire for that blessing to come about. Now, do you see that? That's why it's all of grace. That's why a soul will not fall away and perish as some teach today. Because it was God which begun the appetite, and it is He which performs that work until the day of redemption. If man must conjure up the appetite first, then man's flesh can destroy that appetite. But before God ever blesses a person like this man right here, he first comes and creates an appetite in this man in order to receive the very blessing which he's going to give him. Now, that's grace. That's grace. That's mercy. And that's why God acts in mercy. And that's why, sinner, he can leave you there with your upset stomach and no appetite for the things of God and bring you to the final judgment and judge you for your sin. Or else he can elect to create an appetite in you and bring you in his grace before God. You see, you're between a rock and a hard spot. You're totally at God's disposal. And dear people, that's not what men and women like to hear today. But bless God, we're not called upon to preach what's pleasing to the flesh of men. We're called to preach upon the glorious grace of God in creating the appetite and then giving the blessing. One final passage of Scripture found in the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and verse 13. Bless God, one day this appetite is going to be completely satisfied. We read in verse 15, Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in the temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall deliver them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Isn't that a glorious day? There's the day coming in which that we shall be completely satisfied, where we'll hunger and thirst no more. Our cup runneth over. Can you say this morning, fill my cup, Lord, fill it. And if it is filled, it must come from outside of me, for the cup does not fill itself. Something must be poured into the cup from outside. And God began that act when He saved us from the penalty of sin. And He continues filling our cup with the Holy Ghost as He gives us power to live daily in our lives. And one day that cup's going to be full and we shall hunger and thirst no more. Bless God for that day that it might soon appear and we be with Him forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may Your Son be honored in what a glorious gospel that he offers to hungry and thirsty sinners. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.